I thought you were going to pray there, Gretchen, but uh, you psyched me out. I was like, do I come up? Do I wait? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Mixing things up on us. So it's so great to, to see you guys. It's crazy that's raining in June. Like, that's weird, right? Like, I mean, we needed it, of course. We needed more rain this year. Uh, but I'm really excited about uh, the events that we have uh, coming up. So please continue to, to check your bulletins and to listen to some of the announcements. Uh, we got a bunch of really fun things that we're going to do together as a church, as a family. And so I'm really excited uh, to do those things uh, together. I've, I've had a lot of fun uh, preaching these past five weeks on uh, somewhat controversial topics. And I wanted to close... Uh, off this series by definitely offending some of you, but not uh, doing so <laughs> intentionally. Uh, so this week we're going to be discussing what does the Bible say about politics, right? Yay! And the crowd goes wild. Ah, we love it so much. Yay. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, this is, uh, you know, a lot of people's favorite subject, especially that crazy uncle that comes at Thanksgiving. Uh, but don't worry, don't worry. If you're ultra left or ultra right, you'll likely find something that the Bible says that is contrary to your belief system, and you will become slightly enraged. Okay, so, but we, we here at Redwood, we're, we're an equal opportunity offender, okay? So, just so you know. Uh, we have two main goals in our life upon placing our faith in Jesus, right? We have two main goals. You can agree or disagree, but uh, I'd love to see your biblical proof of this. Uh, one, which is bring as many people as we can to faith in Christ by living an authentic life for Jesus and telling people about Jesus. And two is becoming more like Jesus by learning about him and uh, what he desires for us in his word, right? That's it. Those two things. Yeah? Yes? No? Maybe so? Some of you are still asleep and that's okay because... So am I. Uh, so this week, we're going to look at how politics and faith, how they intersect. A lot of people say that they should not intersect, but they do and they should. Uh, what Jesus, what did he personally say while he was alive here on earth? What did, he, what did he have to say and how do we respond? So let's get started. How is it possible for our congressmen and women, our senators, and even our president to claim that their faith does not influence their political decisions? How many, times, how many times have you heard that? Oh, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe these things, but I promise my faith will not influence my decisions that I make. True or false, when we place our faith in Jesus, he is totally content with allowing him to just guide some of the choices we make. No? So that's false. Okay, okay. Uh, if we claim Christ to be Lord, he gets to make all the decisions, uh, which means it is impossible to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of the universe and of ourselves and not allow our faith to guide us in how we make decisions and the decisions that we make. And I can assure you that every time I hear a politician claim that their faith will not influence uh, their politics, I know who to not vote for. <laughs> and I know that they are a politician that I can't trust. And it may be crazy to hear this, so this is the part that I think it's hard for me to believe. I'm, I'm a pastor. I went to Bible college. The Bible is what guides all of my, the, the truth in my life. The Bible tells us that God ordained the creation of our government institutions. 
It's like, what? So that doesn't mean that all the decisions that they make are God-ordained, but the institutions themselves that they are ordained. Uh, just as, you know, Jesus created the church, right? He created the church to go out and to spread the good news and to show love and to be a family. Um, and there are, there are ministers of the gospel who don't always do what God has told them to do. They don't, they don't live it out. They don't carry it out. They're not ministers to the gospel all the time. And so just as God has created uh, the church institution and he created the government institution to, uh, to obey him, to follow his will, there are good churches and, and, and bad churches and, and there are uh, bad politicians and other politicians. Okay, uh, but uh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Okay, so, um, so Romans 13.1 right? We're going to spend a little bit of time there. This is the main passage that we're going to look at as far as how do we, how do we intersect with government? And, and the church primarily for the past, I don't know, let's just hypothetically say like 250 years or so in America, uh, the, 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 the government hasn't really pressed down on the church much, there have been times when they're like, hey, maybe we should take away some tax incentives or maybe we should do some of these other things. But then COVID happened and the, the government says, well, you guys can't meet anymore because you're all going to get this virus and it's against, you know, so the government is going to decide. And, and then churches began to be like, okay, how much do we need to follow? <laughs> like, how much do we listen to the government and what they have to say? Okay. So Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. So again, just looking at that verse, right, is this, this is not, uh, you know, the book of Brian's opinions, because I assure you that that's not what it would read, uh, but this is... The Bible, it's, a, it's, it's written to the, the church in Rome, uh, which the Roman government was just, it was so godly, it was so pure, it was perfect. Uh, yeah. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. How many of us are to be subject to the governing authorities? Every person? Why do we feel sometimes like we're excluded from that list? right? All of our life, all of our life is under the authority of God, and God has placed us under the authority of these governing people, soldiers, police officers, judges, lawmakers, representatives, and the laws that they make. So when they pass a law, they make a decree that we don't like. Yeah, but it isn't prohibited by Scripture. We cannot come to any other conclusion than that we must oblige. So going on, we're not going to read verse 2, but going on to verse 3, if you're there with me in Romans 13, so this is Romans 13, 3 through 5, it says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, most of the time, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he's a servant of God and avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. 
When I look at our, our state governors or senators, it is hard for me, as a person who loves to think logically, it is hard for me to subject myself to those people in power. Because some of the things that they say, some of the decisions that they make for us don't make sense. Some of the things that come out of their mouth, I go, I don't know how to do what you're telling me to do because it doesn't make any sense. But when I believe that they are placed there by God, when that is my first understanding The basis of my belief system is that the people that are in charge of me, over me, my governing authorities, that they are placed there by God, then and only then can I subject myself to them. Your options, our options are clear from verse 5. Subject ourselves to the authority or be under the wrath of God. And I don't like that. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't make me happy. But I think that's the point. We read scripture to we don't uh, sorry we don't read scripture to make us feel good. We read scripture to make us more like Christ. Again, we don't read scripture to make us feel good. We read scripture to become more like Christ. So Jesus himself, he spoke a lot on political topics, which is kind of surprising, in spite of him being the most powerful entity in the entire universe. Just remember that. So God, he's, uh, Jesus is in heaven. He's with the Father and everything's perfect. He's in heaven and he decides to humble himself, to come to earth, to be a human being. And while he's here on earth, he told his followers this. Again, I, we're gonna, I gave you these passages so you can look, look them up later. But this is Matthew 22, verse 21. He says, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So the religious leaders asked Jesus, hey, is it, is it good for us? It, is it good? Should, should we pay taxes? Right? Because the Roman government, they're, they're evil people. They do a lot of bad things with the money that we give them. So is it, is it, is it good for us to pay taxes? Because I, I think we're only supposed to tithe to God, right? So we shouldn't have to pay our taxes. Right? Amen, right? Yeah, so. The, the crazy part is, is that when you look historically, the, the Roman government, as far as the, their moral compass, was so off. I'm not going to say they're the most evil government system that's ever existed, but as far as morality was concerned, it's, it's pretty high up there, right? They would crucify people for minor offenses. They notoriously uh, created epic blood sport games. They had uh, a long period where they encouraged and honored slavery. Uh, They took away a woman's right to defend herself in court, leading to, uh, honestly, a massive rape culture because if there's just two of you there and the man's word means more than the woman's and he says he didn't do it, she said he did. They encouraged incest among their leaders, including children. So nothing, nothing was out of reach for the governors in Rome or leaders, even children and sometimes animals and ritualistic uh, killings. And Jesus knew all of this. Jesus knows everything, right? It's not like something was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. He knew all of this. And yet, he still told people to pay their taxes to that government. 
Jesus believed that if you're going to live in a place ruled by a people group, then you should subject yourself to their authority regardless of their right standing with God. Jesus did not uh, condone or accept their immoral behavior. And I think that's one thing that's really important to, to point out. When we pay our taxes, we're not saying we agree with everything the government does. Because there's, again, there's things that the, our government chooses to do that I would disagree with. Jesus felt the same way. But he's telling us that we need to subject ourselves to the people that God has placed in authority over us. It doesn't always feel great, but it's not about our feelings. This is what I had a really hard time with because when the government told us that we all needed to wear masks, and all of the data showed that masks did almost nothing, it didn't matter. The governing authorities that God has placed over us told us to wear a mask. And when that happens, we... We should wear a mask. Not because it makes sense, not because it's logical, but because the people that God has placed in authority over us told us to. And it doesn't feel good, and I don't like it, but it is the way that it is. That's, we choose to live in this place, and that's... And some of you would disagree. We can't, we can't do that because they're taking away our liberties. But again, we have to gain all of our truth, not from the Constitution, but from the Bible. The way that we live our life is not based on the Constitution. It's based on the Bible. Right? Man, you guys are really quiet this morning. I think some of you are like, he's going to say something, and I'm not going to like it, then I'm going to have to leave, and it's not going to be good. Uh, that time is coming here in two seconds. Okay. <laughs> So this is, this is a hot-button topic. We live in Oregon, which is uh, highly liberal. If the time comes, which a lot of us have feared, that the government rules that we have to give up our firearms. Biblically, do we have any right to say no? Is it highly possible that if they take our firearms that we will be ruled by an evil regime that we, don't, we can't defend ourselves against? Yeah. But again, all of our truth, all of our life has to be based in Scripture even when we read the, the Constitution and our rights as United States uh, citizens. We must first follow the truth of Scripture. So if the time comes and they ask you to turn in your firearms, you have... You only have two options as a follower of Jesus, which is to move to a place where they don't make you turn in your firearms or to turn them in. Because again, these are the people that God has placed in authority over us. And I don't like it. I don't like that. It doesn't feel good. It's not what I would think to be wise. But it's not about the way that I feel or think. It's about following God's laws regardless of how I feel or think. We are citizens of heaven first. And the laws and regulations that he has created have to take precedent over our feelings and our American rights. We are citizens of heaven first and citizens of America second. We only have two reasons why we would not subject ourselves to the authority of the government. There's only two reasons, biblically. 
which is if the, if the government tells us that we have to do something that's in opposition to the Bible, right? Well, you have to have multiple wives or you have to, you know, kill your neighbor if they look a certain way. So if they, if they command you to do something that the Bible commands us not to do, then we don't, we don't have to oblige. Or if they tell us we can't do something that the Bible tells us that we have to do. So if they prevent us from doing something that's biblically commanded, or if they force us to do something that's biblically prohibited, those are the only two times that we can be in defiance of the government. Right? Amen? So if the government tells us that we can't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ or we'll go to jail, I will gladly go to jail. If they tell us we can't baptize people, or we'll go to jail. I will go to jail. If the government forces us to officiate gay weddings, I will refuse and I will go to jail. If the government tells us we need to sacrifice our kids, again, I will go to jail because God's laws come first. We have to base all of our decisions on what God says in, he, uh, in his word. So just a few examples here from history Right, Nazi-occupied Germany. The authorities tell you you have to give up your weapons. Under God's law, do you have to give up your weapons? Yes. Nazi-occupied Germany. The authorities tell you that you have to give up your Jewish neighbors who, unbeknownst to the authorities, are living in your attic. Under God's law, do you give them up? Correct. During the pandemic, the government told us that we all had to wear masks in public. Under God's law, do we have to wear masks? Yes. Uh, during the time of Daniel, they made it illegal to pray to God under God's law. Should we stop praying to God? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to worship a statue as God. Should we worship a statue if our government tells us to? Correct. Exodus chapter 1. Right? Ben and I were just talking about this. Exodus chapter 1. The Pharaoh did not like the Israelites. I think that's an understatement. Uh, they were growing very large in number. They had been, they had been living in, in Egypt, uh, just your, your history of Israel. They had been living there for 400 years. And the only reason that Egypt was still a, a prosperous and good nation was because of Joseph, right? The Israelite who had, who had a vision uh, or he interpreted a, a dream. And that dream said there was going to be seven years of good stuff and then seven years of famine. And so we need to save up. So the only reason that Egypt was as powerful and as prominent as it were was because of Joseph. And so the Exodus begins by saying, then there came a king who did not know Joseph. They forgot that the Israelite people were the only reason that they even still existed. And all that he saw was this large number of people that weren't Egyptians. Right? So he made a decree that all the males should be killed upon birth. So this is Exodus chapter 1. Uh, again, you don't have to flip there. I gave you the notes. You can look it up later. It says, but, this is verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this? And let the male children live. The midwives, the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come to them. It's like, so God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. The midwives feared God more than the king of Egypt. So God dealt well with the midwives. Is lying wrong? Yeah, I like what Lori said. It was less wrong to lie than it would have been to kill the babies. 
So God dealt well with the midwives, even though they lied to Pharaoh's face, even though they didn't do what the governing, the governing authorities said, because God's law has to take precedent over the law of the people. If our government were ever to force us to kill our children, again, we must answer to God's law first and do whatever it takes to save our children's lives. Um, if the government or anyone else tells us to do something evil, or uh, sorry, if, if the government does something that we believe is evil, do we have right under God's law to retaliate? Okay, so I'm going to read a whole bunch of passages right here uh, that talk about that, not just government, but in all things. Okay, so this is Romans. I, I gave you the list. I'm going to go really fast, okay? Uh, so it's in your, it should be in your bulletins. Uh, Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Romans 5, 30, uh, verses 38 and 39. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Luke 6, 35. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful uh, and the evil. Expecting nothing in return. I think Jesus understood politics and taxes really well. Yeah, right? Amen? Expecting nothing in return. Okay, we all want justice. Everybody wants justice. It's something that's ingrained in us. We all love justice. That's why there's 10 million cop shows out there. This, is, this isn't NCIS. This is NCIS North Carolina. This, this is NCIS California. You know, it's like, okay, like, I get it. Okay, you guys found this cash cow and you're going to live on it. We all want justice. That's why we love these cop shows. Uh, but as far as us as individuals, justice is never retaliation. It's never retaliation. We have to allow our God and our government to pursue justice for wrongdoers. And sometimes if, if you are a person that is, has been in the military or if you're sometimes a police officer, you are the one that is carrying out that justice that our government has provided. But when we take revenge into our own hands, we place ourselves on the judgment seat and proclaim who is right and wrong, which is not our place. So then whether we agree or disagree with our governing authorities, what should our response be? Because there are people in this room who I'm sure, um, I'm not going to point you out or anything like that, uh, but you would look at the things that our, our government in the country, the decisions that they're making, and you think, you know, hey, I think some of those ideas are really good ideas. I like the direction that we're heading and I'll pray for you. Uh, so what should, our, what should our response be? So this is uh, 1 Timothy. Again, you can look it up later. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And I'm going to read four uh, verses here. It says, first of all then, this is uh, verse 1. I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We pray for them, regardless of whether they're, not, they're on the party that we uh, put ourselves into. We pray for them. 
I think especially if they're in the political party that we don't agree with, we pray for them. We pray for them and not against them. We pray, we pray, we pray, and then we pray some more. We are blessed to live in a nation where there are legal, law-abiding ways to protest. Like, you know, not riots, right? Amen? Uh, so not riots. Uh, there are legal, law-abiding ways to protest. And if you, are, if you have that feeling that you are so deeply moved by something that is happening in our government, I, I encourage you, under the law of the lands, you have the right to protest in a way that isn't evil. We'll fo- we're, we can follow God's law and the law of our land. We're very blessed that way that we can protest legally and God-honoring. It is uh, unlawful protests, though. I, I just They drive me crazy. Damaging buildings, breaking into buildings that you know, that aren't yours, starting fires. These are all ungodly and we should never participate in them. Right there in that passage says, lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. In every way. So I don't normally do this. I don't normally like to do this because sometimes it can go off the rails. Uh, But I I felt moved this week when I was praying about this message. Um, I wanted to take some of your questions that you had, and you might have none, and if you have none, then I have plenty that I'll answer myself, but I wanted to take some of your questions, uh, and let's try to do this in an orderly fashion, so if you have a question you'd like to ask, just this is about politics, then please, like, politics in the Bible, feel free to raise your hand and, okay, yeah, over here, yeah, our, our founding fathers were placed here by God to create America, yeah, yeah, it's, that's a good question. Right. Right. And, and yeah. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree with you. So the question was, right, we have the founding fathers, and they wrote uh, the Bill of Rights. They, they, well, yeah, the Bill of Rights came a little bit later. But the founding fathers are uh, writing the Constitution, and they gave us these rights. So who takes precedent? Is it the people that created our country or the people that are now leading our country? Unfortunately, biblically, it's the people that are leading our country now. Like, and it's unfortunate because, again, I 100% agree with you. They, they created this law so that because they lived in an, on, on, under oppressive authorities who said, you can't do this and you can't do that. And they said, well, we want to have the right to do that. We want to give that right to the people that live in America that they have the right to defend themselves against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And so they gave us these rights but our, our people, if, if someone comes along and changes those laws, we have to follow the new laws regardless of what the old laws were. Unless, again, unless it's something that they force us to do that is unbiblical. And again, I don't like it. It's not right. It's wrong if that were to happen, but that's the way it is. Yeah. Anybody else? Let's see if we can get somebody else. Oh, yeah, sure, over here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll answer that for sure. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you for asking. Uh, so again, uh, this is so this would be uh, on the other side to say, okay, well now we have uh, there are people that have guns that shouldn't have guns, and so how do we protect our children? How do we protect our our people? If if everyone's allowed to have guns, both the good people and the bad people, how do we protect our people? And I think that this is this is the part where again we we live in a nation where where we can politically protest or we can vote new laws in. And so whatever you are passionate about, uh, 
under God's law, under the law of the land, pursue those things to the fullest extent. And so if you want to lobby for whatever it is that you want to push for, you have the right as a citizen, as a right uh, under God's people to do so in a respectful and loving way. Uh, but it's, it's really hard. I, I, I definitely have that, that question too, where how, how do we protect our kids? You know, all of these things, and we all have different understandings. But again, we must always go back to, okay, uh, we must follow the laws of the land. And so we can protest, we can vote in new laws, and we can uh, pursue those things ourselves. And so if you're really passionate about it, I suggest uh, starting a group where you, you, know, you have these issues and then you, again, try to get these new laws put in place uh, that you guys feel like, well, that you're so passionate about. I'm with you there, yeah. Yeah, again, that's, 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 the, that's the hard part about, you know, that's, that's the balance of, we, you know, do we have guns, do we not have guns? But I, don't, I think God isn't as concerned about that as the fact that, you know, we live in a nation where less than 15% of the people claim to be followers of Jesus. And I think we, we have set up a society that lacks mental health protocols and all those things. And so I think that's a, that's a larger debate that we can talk about another time. But uh, if you as an individual think, you know what, I don't think that my right to have a gun, um, you know, then, then I would say, yeah, you know, again, try to get the laws changed, overturn it, vote it. Um, but there's no law, you know, in God's law to prevent us from owning firearms if the place that we live, you know, legally allows us to. So, yeah, Diane? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. I, I think we, when we look at the ungodliness of America, I think it's really easy to point the fingers, but we, we must first look at ourselves and ask the question, what am, what am I doing to change the culture? What am I doing to bring Jesus into schools? Am I, am I leading Bible studies in schools? Am I encouraging or am I funding individuals to go to a private Christian school? We have to ask the question like within ourselves and with our church, what are we doing to help mold and shape our children? And I love the fact that we have every week, it seems like we have more and more kids. That's fantastic. We can uh, encourage them to be more like Jesus and to mold them and shape them. And I, I completely agree. I think ungodliness is the reason that our culture is the way that it is. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, Lori, fine. Right. So, uh, you know, so we, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, and, I, and I picture it like this. Um, if you get married young, Purely hypothetical, not in my life, uh, definitely not a story from my life. If you get married young to someone that you should not have gotten married to and they divorce you are, and they, they don't want to be with you, they don't like you, they don't love you, are you required to stay single the rest of your life? Well, you, you, so you get married a second time, so you go, well, I, I shouldn't have been divorced the first time, so I'm not, you know, like, no, wherever you are, whatever you're in, this is the place that we will honor the governing authorities. You know, if you pack up and you move, uh, you know, and that's the fact is that every country on earth exists because of unpeaceful takeovers. There was never a time when the country was like, you know what, I would love to give you some of our land. Please, yes, come in, have it. We, yeah, uh, you know, so we have to live in where we are now, right? Now we have these laws and these things. And so, yeah, I agree with you. We likely, uh, it was not the most godly way for us to get out of uh, England. Uh, but yeah, so I hear you. Yeah, Lori? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Lori. Lori was just talking about how, you know, we, uh, we don't have the right to do things illegally, but we have a lot of rights as American citizens to protest legally. Um, I hate the fact that abortions exist. 
But if I go out and I cause harm to others because they're doing abortions, then I'm repaying evil for evil. But we have laws where we can protest and we can vote. And we're seeing, honestly, as a nation, we're seeing that turn back towards a more uh, godly belief system, which is good. Yeah, that's a good question. So that, that passage, so uh, are we, when, we, uh, when we do, when we protest in an unloving, unkind way, uh, are we adding fuel to the fire? That was the, the question. Yeah. Um, that passage again in, in Timothy would lead me to believe that we can, we can voice our opinion in a loving and kind way, but our, our understanding must be that in order to make an impact on our world, we have to be kind. We have to be loving. We have to be peaceful. And then if we can make, if we can make our point, you know, in those circumstances, then, then great. And I think that we, like, I, I have a problem with the people that hold up the, any sign of hate or anger is always going to be in opposition to Jesus. But telling, like, standing outside of a, a clinic or, or telling people the truth or, again, lawful protest, um, you know, we have the right to do those things. And you have to trust the Holy Spirit to guide you to make uh, those decisions that, yeah. Because we don't want to add more fuel to the fire, but at the same time, we need to protest the things that are wrong. So, sorry, over here. Yeah. Mm. Write letters. Write letters. Yeah, yeah. Again, John is really good at that, uh, writing letters to your, you know, your governing authorities. Uh, that's the hard part is, is when I write an, a letter or an email or something like that to someone that I disagree with, I write it and then I delete two-thirds of it and then... <laughs> And then I ask someone, I usually ask my wife, hey, when you read this, like, what do you, do you see anything that's negative or, you know, I don't want to be mean, uh, but I need to state my point. And so, yeah, write letters. Again, legally, we have the right to write our governing authorities, um, but always tell them that you're praying for them and mean it and actually pray for them and uh, always, uh, in, you know, encourage them. And then, you know, uh, you can make your point clear without being rude. Yeah. Any other questions? Yep, sure. So, yeah, what Trina was saying, if we, if we go out into the community and we have a greater impact of love and compassion and generosity, uh, we'll have less need for, for negative things. And, and I agree, in some ways, uh, we, just, we need to do a lot more uh, to go out and reach the community. Okay, I know I'm taking up a lot of your time, and so I'm going to answer a couple of my questions. You ready? Okay, uh, which political party is best? Right, because the left promotes abortion, same-sex marriages, uh, sex changes in our children, but they fight for the rights of the needy, giving food and housing to children and mothers and veterans. Uh, I even read this story of there was this, uh, you know, the civil rights movement is, 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 is crazy. Uh, there was this uh, high-ranking Democratic politician, and he was, in every other way, he was like as far left as it leaned. And I didn't know this, the only reason that the PGA allowed African-Americans to golf on tour was because of this man's protest. He was, um, he was one of the high-ranking officials, I can't remember his exact title, in California, but the, the PGA Tour was coming through. And his best friend, the guy that he golfed with at least two or three times a week, was this black man. And he said, you're going to do so great in the tournament this week, and I know you're going to win. And he goes, what are you talking about? They won't let me play. And he goes, well, this is my state. And if they want to come in here, they're going to let you play. But they protested. So they're like, well, instead of playing in California, we'll, we'll go to Pennsylvania. 
And so then he protested on and on into the Supreme Court. And later that year was the first time that they allowed African-Americans to play on the PGA Tour. And like we understand, that's human rights. These are people that should be allowed to play golf with everyone else. And it was, you know, again, a high-ranking, very far-left Democrat who was accomplishing the mission of God and unifying us. So it is possible. Uh, again, uh, the, the far right, we fight for religious freedoms, uh, the right to, to have firearms, private party ownership. But in a lot of ways, uh, the far right discourages helping the poor, often lacking compassion in pursuit of capitalism, and don't have the best track record in the past hundred years for human rights as a whole. So which political party is best? It's, it's tough. It's tough. Because a lot of the times we get a ballot and we have blue and red. And if you're a red person, you vote all red. And if you're a blue person, you vote all blue. And if you don't know who's which, you have to call somebody and ask. <laughs> which one is? So I, again, I always encourage you to vote for the person who follows Scripture the closest. There's no such thing as a perfect politician. There's no such thing as a perfect person. But we have to vote in the parties, in our opinion, that follow Scripture the closest. Okay. Uh, where should I watch my news? Fox or CNN? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a trick question, right? Yeah, so uh, there are people, again, there are people that, that probably in this room that, that will wake up and they'll watch you know, Fox News all day. Um, and there are people that, again, on the other side, that they wake up and they watch CNN, they watch that news all day, and that's where they get their information from. But we have to understand that both are terribly biased. Um, all political news should be consumed with a grain of salt. All of it. Neither are good. Neither are honestly presenting the news without, uh, without a uh, political bias. So you have to understand that when you watch it. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't watch those. I just think you have to be careful because it seems like I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Okay. Regardless of whether you are a Fox or a CNN person, the goal of the gospel is to unify us. And both those news networks, their biggest goal is to divide us. And a house divided cannot stand. If you consume political news, you have to throw away all the division stuff because the farther we get apart, the more that we dehumanize each other, the harder it is to bring Jesus into this world. We have to unify us. We have to find the ways, the things that we can stand uh, together with and not the things that divide us. Amen? Yeah, so I, I, I have many friends on both sides and I, and I understand the greatest thing that we can do is to listen and to empathize and to communicate in a way that's not demeaning. And if we can do that, then we're following the gospel. But if we can't, we are hurting the gospel. I'm going to call the, the worship team back up. Okay, Romans 12, if you're trying to follow Jesus, is amazing. Even if you just read that one chapter and allowed it to shape and mold you the rest of your life, you would be 
the most amazing person who's ever lived. Uh, but verse 18, so this is Romans 12, 18, says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I like that it says, so far as it depends on you. There are people who you can't live at peace with because they don't want to live at peace with you. So, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is the goal, that they all may know Christ. Again, I have friends that are on the far left that believe that, you know, basically abortions should be legal until the kid's 18. And then I have other people that think that Alex Jones is a prophet. And so somewhere in the middle is where we have to end up, somewhere in the middle to be more like Jesus. So this is my political stance. Do whatever it takes to be more like Jesus. When you vote, vote to make laws that make our country more like Jesus. When you protest, protest in a way that shows the love of Jesus. I will stand for truth, but if Jesus tells me to live peaceably with all, I have to do whatever it takes to live peaceably with all. Jesus isn't concerned with our government institutions. He is concerned with his church doing his work on earth. And I'm sorry if I offended you this week. It was not my goal. My goal is to help us all to be more like Jesus. So let's be Jesus' hands and feet in a broken and lost world in order to reach people for every political party under every stance. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to pray for our government right now. So please pray with me. So Father, we love you. We want to be more like you. We want to be more like your son. So God, help us to live in a world that is corrupt and evil at times, but stand so firmly in the truth that the whole world would have no uh, other understanding or belief that you are the one that is in charge of us as individuals and us as a church. God, we pray for our politicians, God, that they would be blessed, God, that you would pour blessings down upon them, that they would know you. God, that's what we want. We want our politicians to know and to follow you, and it may seem impossible, but God, you are the God who does the impossible. So help us to do whatever it takes to bring all of the people, all of the governing authorities that are above us to know and to follow you. And Father, we just ask all of these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.